finally not a snowstorm on a Saturday night. Uh, it feels so good to just drive on a beautiful sunny day. Uh, if you're new with us, uh, my name's Kevin. I serve as the lead pastor here. Uh, I'm doing something at this very moment that I have never done before in the history of my ministry. Uh, I'm preaching simultaneously in two different spots at the exact same time in two different, two, in two different messages. And I, I, and I just kind of think that's cool. And, and not because I'm cool. Trust me, I'm not. But it's just the way kind of life and technology and the methods of ministry work. I was supposed to be preaching in our Arabic service this morning. If you're new with us, we actually are one church with one mission, one vision, but we do it in two languages. We have two services that happen in this room in English, and then we have another kind of smaller chapel in the other side of the building over there where worship happens in Arabic. It's one church, one family, and I'm trying to kind of keep that family feel open, so I'm going to be preaching in there kind of once every six weeks or so. It was supposed to be this Sunday, and I forgot to book someone for this room. So, uh, so I trusted God and God put two messages on my heart. So there's a message going on over there and a message going on in here. And you know what? I love that. It's just the method of God at work. I was recently uh, reading a leadership thing and it was talking about the largest multi-site church in the world. The largest multi-site church in the world that is reaching hundreds of thousands of people with the message of Jesus around the world. You know how they decided to go multi-site? It's like, well, in their church where they worship, you know, they would record the sermons and the senior pastor, they had a service on Saturday night and you had to keep building buildings and you had to kind of, you know, making more space for people. And the preacher preached a message on Saturday night. They recorded it to put it online. And then his wife went into labor that night. Right. And he was like, well, I got to go to church. She goes over my dead body. Are you going to church? <laughs> So he stayed like a good husband, and one of his staff just said, well, I guess I'll just play the video. What else are we going to do? More people accepted Jesus that Sunday morning by video than they did in the months leading up to it. See, here's the challenge of church today. See, sometimes you and I love the method more than the mission. You and I have a tendency to love the method of how we do ministry, of how we do church, of how church is always supposed to, church must, pastors must, all of these things, we tend to love the method more than we love the mission. This time of year um, in February, and it is an absolute shock for me that it's February already, but this time of year is actually one of my favorite times of year. And the reason that this is my favorite time of year is because we as leaders are preparing for our annual general meeting. Now, some of you might go, that sounds absolutely psychotic. One of the most exciting times for you is to prepare for these boring, painful membership meetings that we have to run as a nonprofit organization in Canada. Well, you see, the reason why I love this so much is because it's not about a meeting. It's not about a budget. It's not about a vote but it's about what God is doing in our church family. I've been praying almost every single time someone asks me to pray for the past five years. I've been praying that God would do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine by his power at work in his church for his glory. Stole that from a book I read once. The Bible. 
<laughs> I made that my prayer. You asked me to pray for you. I pray that God will do more than you could ask or imagine. When I pray with the staff, that God would do more than we can ask or imagine. Elders, deacons, everywhere I go, that's what I've been praying for five years. And in our midst, in our city today, God is doing immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. He is faithful with that. Right. And I hear the stories and I ask people, would you please share your story? And like, no, I don't want to share my story. Ugh. The, 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 the Christian Canadian humility drives me nuts. Stop it. People need to hear your story. Your story encourages the work of the church. <laughs> Right, And we need to find better ways to share stories and videos and baptisms and things like that. Next week, we're going to have a baptism here. We have a number of people from our Arabic ministry that are getting baptized. It's amazing. Okay, If you have not been baptized and you've got questions, what is this baptism thing? I didn't think it was important. Email me today, kevin at greenbelt.church. Let's talk about baptism. If you are coming to our church and you're not a member, you see, membership is not about voting. It's about a mutual relationship that we have with one another. It's a mutual accountability. We give the authority to our members to fire me tomorrow. And I am okay with that. The day I drift from the Bible, the way I start becoming false, get me out of here. I submit to that. But there's a flip side to that relationship. <laughs> is that you're asking us as pastors and elders and leaders to hold you accountable in your walk with God. Members, when's the last time you've read that membership covenant? I will invite people to church. It's written. I will serve in a ministry regularly. It's written. I will be in a life group and be real and pray with people. It's written. I will give financially. It's written. <laughs> it's what you signed up for. We don't police that around here, but there's a nice friendly reminder of a mutual submission to one another as the body of Christ. So it's not about a vote, even though we have to vote. It's not about a budget, even though we have to present a budget. <laughs> it's not about staffing structures, even though we have to explain and show the staffing structures. It's about what God is doing among us. So please keep that day free at the end of February and be here for this meeting. Even if you're not a member, please come. And if you want more information about membership, again, email me today, kevin at greenbelt.church. And we will talk to you and, and see how God's calling you into kind of a deeper commitment with us as a church family as we are on mission together. And again, I get so excited about this stuff because God is truly at work. Just this past Thursday, I was invited to speak and teach a little bit in our fellowship of churches. Like we're a part of kind of the kind of this national movement of churches. And then we're part of a region in Ontario and English speaking Quebec, where there's like almost 300 churches that are in fellowship together in Ontario and Quebec. And I was asked to speak to our leaders for our Ottawa Valley and just to kind of share some of the stuff that we have been doing as a church over the last three years, three to five years on just the, the, the concept of revitalization and restructuring and all of these kind of things that we've been doing for the last three years. And so I presented this 
And then the, the regional director that was there uh, visiting uh, took me aside after I did the presentation, and I am not sharing this to boast on me. I'm sharing this to brag on you. <laughs> if this regional director said, Kevin, do you realize that everything that your church is doing, 90% of churches in Canada would never be able to do this. And the reason why 90% of churches would not be able to go through and stomach the changes that we've been going through is because too many Christians love the method more than the mission. And I am so incredibly grateful to be part of a church family where we are about the mission of Jesus, that we will be leading people in knowing, living, and sharing Jesus, that we will get and we will know truly who God is. We will let the knowledge of who God is change how you and I live our lives. And as God changes how you and I are living our lives, we will be bold and we will speak into a world that desperately needs to know who Jesus is. Methods come and go, but the message of Jesus is eternal, right? And what's fascinating, again, about this time of year when I study this and I'm reminded and we look at what God has done, if I was really real before you, and that is one of our core values, to be real before God and real before one another, there's a little part of my flesh that actually takes God for granted in this work, Again, we're incredibly blessed as a church. We have an amazing staff team. They are talented. They are godly. They are gifted. They are amazing men and women who are leading ministries in our church. We have incredible godly elders who love the Lord. We have amazing deacons who are so talented, and they can do stuff with money that I couldn't even dream of and figure out how to stretch a penny. It's incredible. We have amazing kids ministry leaders and youth ministry leaders and life group leaders. We are incredibly blessed with amazing, talented leaders. And the danger for all of us, all of us, is to start to take God for granted and think it's about us. My work, what I accomplish, my talent, my ability. And see, and this isn't just a Christian leadership problem. This is an every human being problem. This is an every Christian problem. Just think for a moment of your regular, ordinary life. Think about what you have to do, on, what's on your to-do list, what's on your agenda tomorrow when you get up. Some of you are going to get up and you're going to go to a job. Some of you are going to get up and you're going to go to school. Some of you are going to get up and you're a stay-at-home parent and you are trying to figure out how to not kill one of these seven kids that are in your home. Okay? <laughs> you have a life that you are stepping into. You have responsibilities. You have things that you need to do that you don't want to do. You have people kind of breathing down your neck with expectations and demands. And you just have the pressure of life. How often in just the regular, ordinary days of your life, of my life, do we actually take God for granted? That we don't think of him in those moments. We don't think of him as a part of our regular, ordinary day. The Bible says confession is good for the soul. Just show of hands. How many of you at some point in your life have taken God for granted? Praise be to God, it's not just the senior pastor. 
always makes me nervous when I do this going, wow, I'm getting an email tomorrow. It's just me. Okay. But it's in our human nature. We all can take God for granted. So we're in a series now called 10 and we are looking at the 10 commandments. And sometimes when people go, well, when we go back to something that is so basic and is so, man, we've been learning lessons about the Ten Commandments ever since Sunday school when we were little kids. If you've been in church for 60 years, you've, you know this already. Right? But sometimes when you go back to the basics, God reopens our eyes on certain things. And we actually see that it's so much deeper, it's so much richer than what I actually thought it was. I know I upset a whole bunch of you last week in my introduction to this series when I said God didn't give the Ten Commandments as a moral compass for all of humanity. And that just shocked some of you. And you're like, oh, email. Up. Okay. Members, let's get together and vote them out. <laughs> when you study the text, when you see what God has done, and if you missed last week, go online, check it out. But God did not give a moral set of values for all of humanity in the Ten Commandments. God gave a set rule, set command, a set relationship with his people who were called out from the world that they live in to look radically different than everybody else, to live radically different than everybody else. To behave and believe and worship radically different than everybody else in the world. Now, are there some things in the Ten Commandments that we really hope everybody lives by? Of course. It'd be kind of nice that everyone believed in don't kill people. I'm very grateful I live in a country where you're not allowed to kill people. I'm kind of grateful we live in a country where you're not allowed to come to my house and steal my stuff or steal my wife. Very grateful for that. I like her a lot. I like to keep her around. Okay? 21 years. I can't believe you put up with me this long. Anyways, different sermon for another time. Right? But God was doing something so much bigger than simply giving morality to people. Right? Remember the context of how the Ten Commandments were given. The people of Israel that Moses came to set free from the land of Egypt, these people were in slavery for 430 years. And as you unpack the text and you, you look at the Old Testament text, you look at the teachings of the Apostle Paul, the text leans towards this idea that while they were in slavery, the people were no longer worshiping God. Worship of Egyptian gods had come into play. Their hearts had become hardened under the yoke of slavery. If God loves me, why does my life stink? <laughs> if God loves me, why isn't God delivering me? If God loves me, why won't he? Why doesn't he? How come he hasn't? You become very hard. You drift away from God in those moments. You start to believe in other gods. You intermarry with other people who believe in different things. Right? And so not only did Moses come to set them free from slavery, Moses came to set them free from false religion, to bring his children back to him, that you are my beloved people. You are my chosen people. And through you, you are going to be a blessing to the entire world. 
So that's the context of these Ten Commandments. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at commandment number three and commandment number five. I'm skipping over commandment number four. Don't worry. We're going to get to it. We're going to talk about commandment number four next week. Commandment number four is Sabbath. What do we do in the 24-7 culture that we live in? What do we do with Sabbath? Are we free from it? Is it a regulation? Is it you're not allowed to have any fun on Sunday? (laughs) Sit in your room and read your Bible all day. (laughs) Because that's what the Lord commands. Talk about that one next week. Today, commandment three, commandment five. And my hope is when we look at it and we study it and we see the teachings of Jesus, we'll see how two very standalone commandments are actually dealing with one problem. (laughs) How these two commandments are both dealing with the same problem. So if you want to follow along in a Bible, we have brand new Bibles in the chair in front of you. Woohoo! They're so new and safe. I love that new Bible smell. Ah, new Bible. If you're here today and you do not own a Bible, take that Bible, write your name in the front cover. That is our gift to you today. Okay. If you are here today and someone you know, someone you care about doesn't own a Bible, take that Bible and give it to them. You're allowed to. We're actually a church that believes in giving the Bible to people. I know it's crazy, right? It's like radical. Well, people like, but those cost money. I know they cost money and we'll just buy more (laughs) because we want that word of God to be in the hands of as many families as possible. Take it with you. Give it to someone else. I've got boxes of them. We're good. Okay. So we're going to read. If you're using that Bible, it's on page 76, right near the beginning of your Bible. Two very, very short and yet very powerful commands of God that we're going to look at today. Commandment number three, commandment number five. Commandment number three starts in verse seven of chapter 20, where God spoke these words. Now remember, when God speaks, there is power in the voice of God. When God speaks, light came. When God speaks, creation was made. Animals, life, land, water, the stars, the moon. When God speaks, power comes out. So God spoke his commandments and power. He says this in verse 7. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Jump down to verse 12, commandment number five. Honor your father and mother so that they will give you everything that you want and they will spoil you rotten and they'll let you use the car whenever you whine. (laughs) No, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Two very short Very familiar (laughs) commandments of God given, again, not as morality for the entire world, but giving so that the people of God would look different than everybody else, (laughs) that they would look different than everybody else. And these two commandments are addressing, it looks like they're addressing two different issues, but they're still, they're actually addressing the very same one heart issue that all of humanity struggles with. (laughs) And as a child of God, as a Christian, we're not exempt from it. That there's a heart problem that has to be addressed. 
And these two commandments point to this heart problem that you and I have, right? How do we view our heavenly father? How do we view our earthly family? It can look very separate, but I'm going to hopefully show you how these things come together. But in order to understand how they come together, let's start by looking at them separately. So let's look at commandment number three. Do not misuse the name of God. Maybe your translation of the Bible or you're more familiar with the do not use the Lord's name in vain. Okay. I grew up in Montreal. My family is French Canadian. So that means most of you spell my last name wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's just the way it works. Everyone spells my name wrong. It's E-A-U-L-T. It's French Canadian. It's Presso. It's, Fr- it's Northern Quebec. We speak with a drawl. We have an accent. We talk very funny. Okay? We're French Canadian. We work in the mill. We work in the mine. We're those French Canadians. Okay? I love how French Canadians swear. My wife's getting real nervous. I didn't run my notes by her this week. I never run my notes by her. It's always a surprise. Surprise for me most weeks, too. I love how French Canadians swear. You know, maybe you're not familiar with French Canadian culture. French Canadians swear using church words. They use church words. So I'll say them in English. I'll say the words in English. So don't send me any email this afternoon. So they'll use the word the tabernacle. Right, the tabernacle is kind of kind of the table in the church where sacrifices were made. There's the chalice, right? So it's kind of the cup that they would drink out of, they would worship God out of. There's the host, the bread that they would take as part of communion. You see, French Canadians take church terms to swear. The tabernacle, the chalice, the host. If I were to say those three English words in French with a bit of a zing. Exactly. Whoa, you can't do that. You're a pastor. Right? I'd get emails on Monday if I did that. They're church terms. So I grew up thinking this commandment of do not use the Lord's name in vain, do not misuse the name of God, has to do with swearing. Don't use God's name to swear. Right? So we live today in an OMG culture. Okay. We text it. I got new shoes. OMG. Like, boy, ask me out. OMG. <laughs> I can't believe my teacher flunked me. OMG. I remember my kids were little. And I wrestled with this because I was French Canadian. I was like, you don't use God's name to swear. Right? So when we've taken our kids, going, okay, don't use the OMG. Say, oh my goodness. Right? How many of you did that? Okay, there's the good Christians. Okay, you made your kids say, oh my goodness, or oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Right? That's exactly what we do, right? We take this and we Christianize it because we're worried about breaking this commandment. One of my favorites is when people just drop JC. Okay, now I love action movies. Okay? The more things that explode and blow up, the better. I mean, one of my favorite movies is a movie about big giant robots fighting big giant monsters, and they just blow everything up. It's an Academy Award winning material movie. It's amazing. But at the end of every sentence, someone drops, JC, JC, JC. And we as Christians, we go, oh my goodness, you can't do that. Right? So we change it. We Christianize it. And what do we say instead? We go, oh, Jiminy Cricket. (laughs) I mean, the number of times I do house renovations in my home, 
and I hit my hand with a hammer. Oh, Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> or when I'm measuring a piece of wood and I don't know how I do it. I measure it and I follow Bob the Builder's advice. I measure three times. Those of you who are parents, you got that joke. Okay? I measure it three times so I can cut once. And then I put the piece of wood up against the wall and it's 19 inches too short. Jiminy Cricket! <laughs> what is God really getting at with this third commandment? Is it so the people of God don't swear? No. This is so much bigger than you and I using God's name as a swear word. I have tried to get my kids to say, oh my goodness, I think we've done okay. I try to get you know people around me, oh, don't say JC around me, all these different things. But God is not, I believe, not trying to tell his people to worry about their swearing. God is worried about people misunderstanding who God is. You see, the Old Testament does something that you and I don't do in our culture today. It's called name theology. And in your Old Testament and in the New Testament, a name signifies the very nature and essence and character of who someone is. You see, we live in a culture today where names really don't mean all that much. Like when I talk to parents and I say, why did you pick that name for your kids when we do baby dedications? Sometimes you get these great, beautiful stories, right? Well, my grandfather was this godly man in World War II, and he just so inspired me, so I named my firstborn son after him. I'm like, well, that's awesome. And then I talk to other people, why'd you pick that name? I don't know. Baby book, that one, okay? (laughs) Or it's like, you do like me. You pick this French-Canadian name. You got this French-Canadian name. So what you do is you put the most Scottish name in front of it. Cameron, Scottish name, Presso. Makes no sense. (laughs) All my French family are like, man, what are you doing? Give him a French name. You know, things like that, right? We don't look at names the same way that the Old Testament does. See, God is concerned with how his children are misusing his nature and his character. See, why would God be over? Like, look at the, look at the punishment here. Right? The Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Is this about swearing? Oh, my goodness. I said, oh my God, I said, oh my goodness, just right there. That just came out. OMG, JC, all these things. Is God truly now seeing me as guilty? Because I simply swore? Or is there a bigger issue at play here? That you and I, if we're not careful, we misuse the nature and the character of God in our lives as his children. As those who have been set apart, we are to be holy. We are to look different, believe different, act different, worship different than the rest of the world. God's primary concern is how we use his nature and his character in our day-to-day lives. I want to look at some of the names of God from the Old Testament. Because the name of God reveals his nature and his character. And when you understand the name of God, you understand his power and who he is and who he wants to be in your life. I haven't done Hebrew in a long time, so I'm going to practice my Hebrew this morning. 
if you think it's pronounced differently, I got the seminary degree. It's pronounced the way I think it is. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> well, let's look at the names of God and how the Hebrew describes who he is in his nature. You have the El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty, the El Elohim, the Most High God, the Adonai, the Lord our Master, Yahweh, the Lord Jehovah, the Jehovah Nisei, the Lord my banner. The banner is what you bring into battle before the army, right? Jehovah Raha, the Lord my shepherd. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Jehovah Shama, the Lord is there. Jehovah Tikkanu, the Lord are righteous. El Olam, the everlasting God. Elohim, the Lord Almighty. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord of peace. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. You see, when you study the name of God, you get a glimpse of his character and his nature in your regular life. You as the church have been set apart. You as a Christian have been called to a life that looks different than everyone else in the world. You've been called to represent the name of God. It's not about swearing. It's about something so much bigger. Right? And this name theology continues into the New Testament when it comes to Jesus. Let me read some of the names of Jesus in the New Testament. This is who Jesus is. We get this from his name, right? The names of Jesus. And I got a lot more of these, and these are in English, so it's easier. Okay, Jesus, our advocate. Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus, the Almighty. Jesus, the Great Amen. Jesus, the Apostle and High Priest of our Confession, the Author and Finisher of our Faith, the Most Beloved, the Son of God, the Bridegroom, the Living Bread, our Brother, the Chief Shepherd, the Chosen One, the Christ, the Chief Cornerstone, our Dayspring, our Deliverer, the Faithful and True Witness, our Father Forever, the First and the Last, a Friend of Tax Collectors and of Sinners, the Gate for the Sheepfold, Our glory, the good shepherd, the head of the church, our high priest, the holy one, the great I am, the very image of God, the judge of the world, the just one, the king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the king of the Jews, the lamb of God, our life, the light of the world, the lion of Judah, our Lord, Lord of both the dead and the living, the Lord God almighty the Lord of glory, the Lord of lords, the Lord of peace, our master, our mediator, almighty God, the morning star, a priest forever, the prince of life, the prince of peace, our ransom, our redeemer, the resurrection and the life of the rising sun, the root of David, the savior of the world, the shepherd, the son of Abraham, son of David, son of God, son of man, the source of God's creation, the living stone, our teacher, true God, true vine, the way, the truth, and the life, the one who is and was and is to come, the wisdom of God, wonderful counselor, the word of God, the word of life. That's who Jesus is. Okay? And I say this because it's not about swearing. It is my life focused on that. My day-to-day 
boring life. <laughs> when nothing happens, when I just got to go to work, when I just got to deal with kids, when I just have to pay my bills, your life is so much more than that. <laughs> it's so much more than that. And you and I, in our default, misuse the power and the nature and the character of God. That's what God is worried about. That is what he is concerned about for his people. When I'm going to send you into the wilderness, will you misuse my nature? When life is hard, will you turn from me? Will you turn against who I am? Or when I send you into the promised land flowing with milk and honey and you have everything you could ever want, will you misuse my nature and my character then? I think in our culture today, that's the big one. <laughs> we take them for granted in the blessings of God. That's God's desire. That's why it's in here. So much more than simply swearing. So what we're going to do, I'm just going to pause. <laughs> and we're going to take communion together. You see, communion is a time when we as Christians remember the sacrifice of Jesus. That when we take a piece of bread and we take a small cup of juice, and we remember the body of Jesus broken for us. We remember the blood of Jesus spilt for us. That it wasn't religion that saved us. It wasn't going to church that saved us. It wasn't being a good girl that saved us, being a good boy that saved us. It's only the work of Jesus that deals with our sin. The power in the name of Jesus. So I'm going to call forward our ushers, and when they hand out the bread, I'm just going to ask you to hold it and just reflect on the power of Jesus in your life. How have some of those characteristics of his name those natures of his name played out in your life. And remember that this morning. And so when they come, take a piece, and then we're going to take it together. If you're a guest with us today, and regardless of your Christian background, if you believe Jesus died for you, you believe he rose from the dead, and you put your trust in him for the forgiveness of sin, you're allowed to join us in this. There's no class to participate. But if you're not too sure what you believe, you're not too sure about this Jesus thing, that's awesome that you're here. And I hope that you will feel blessed and loved and encouraged. Just let it go by for now. That's okay. This is for those of us who put our faith in Jesus. So let's just take a moment to pause and remember him. So Father God, we come into your presence in this place and we just take a moment to remember. We remember the great name of Jesus, our Lord, our Redeemer, the salvation of all, that he would come to earth and let sinful men and women like us nail him to a cross because of his incredible love for us. So we remember what he had done. We take this in his name. So Lord Jesus, we take a moment to remember your blood that was spilled for us. This blood that was spilled that makes us as white as snow before the sight of God that this new covenant in this blood that you shed 2,000 years ago makes us new, makes us right, brings the Holy Spirit into our lives. We become the very temple of God, and we trust in the power of God's name in every aspect of our lives. So we take this in remembrance of you.
So these two commandments, very different. They're showing the same heart problem that you and I have as human beings. We struggle with our view of our Heavenly Father. When we think this is simply about swearing, it's a bigger, bigger thing than that. It's understanding the name of God in your life. And God wants to work on that in our hearts. And very quickly, I just want to look at commandment number five. Honor your father and your mother. Now, I could do a 10-week sermon series on this topic. I don't want to belittle um, anyone's pain that people may have gone through. The reality is, is humanity is broken. Humanity is sinful. A number of us carry deep wounds and pain on the topic of our, how we were raised, how we were parents. The danger is we are a little bit becoming a victim culture where we think all the problems in my life are because daddy didn't play catch with me or mommy didn't breastfeed me. And we play the victim. See, what's interesting about this commandment, again, this is spoken into the family of God, into the people of God, not as a commandment for parents to enforce honor on their children. We can do that sometimes as Christians. I did it early on in my parenting. You're going to honor me because I'm your father. Pretty sure it was that same tone of voice, eh, Cameron? It sounded pretty much just like that. I'm your father. You're going to do what I say. You will honor me. That's honorable. (laughs) Right? You see, I believed. I became a firm, complete, total believer in the theology, the doctrine that's called total depravity. That in our humanness, we are sinful. And you know how I came to that conclusion? I had children. No one taught them to be selfish. No one taught them to be demanding. No one taught them to be dishonoring. It was already there when they came out. (laughs) Yeah, that doctrine of total depravity, that makes sense. I talked to my non-Christian friends going, no, there's no sin. People are good. And I look at them going, you don't have kids, do you? (sighs) No, because when you see human nature... At its worst, you know that there's something that this isn't a commandment to enforce honor on someone else. You can't force honor. It's a reminder. God placed you into a family. Think about that. Even in the family that caused you pain and hurt and wounded you, God, in his wisdom, placed you there and we believe that what the bible teaches that god has a good plan for you and that god is righteous and that god will use all things for his glory and even when our past has been bad god uses it for his glory we can still show honor because it's not about the situation the problem is our heart You see, Jesus takes these two commandments to very quickly wrap up with this in Matthew chapter 15. In the Bible in front of you, it's page 981. Jesus takes these two commandments and slams them together and shows how this is the same heart problem that we're dealing with, that God wants to set his people free from. Right? It says in verse 1, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they came to Jesus from Jerusalem. 
Again, they're trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to disprove Jesus. They're trying to get people to stop following Jesus. And he says, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. That was the religious belief that if you don't wash your hands a certain way, when you touch your food, you're going to make your food unclean, and then you're going to eat the food, and you are going to become unclean before God. And the disciples were hanging out with Jesus and partying with sinners and doing what the disciples did, and the religious people lost their minds on this. Like, Why aren't you keeping the traditions of washing your hands And Jesus replied, why do you break the commands of God? Love the method more than the mission. Why aren't you keeping our tradition? Why are you breaking the commands of God? Right? That for God said, honor your father and your mother. And anyone who curses their mother or father should be put to death. Good thing we don't have that one in our membership covenant. (laughs) be a very small church <laughs> okay but if you say that if anyone declares what they might have used to help their father or mother is devoted to god this money that i should use to help my parents this money or this home this little bungalow that i could build so that my parents in their retirement can have a nice place to live well i've dedicated that to god <laughs> right and jesus says um you're nullifying the word of god for the sake of your tradition. And Jesus has his very famous word for that. You hypocrite. And then look at how he finishes this. He says, listen and understand. He shouts this out to the crowd in verse 10. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. But what comes out of their mouth, that's what defiles us. You see, both of these commandments are dealing with the same issue. Our heart. Both of these commandments are dealing with the human heart, my heart, your heart, the heart that wants to take God for granted in my life, in my marriage, in my ministry, in my work, in my parenting, in my finances. God wants to deal with my heart. And in family life, past hurts, whatever that might be, church, family, life, God wants to deal with our hearts. So how do we let God deal with our hearts? Do you want to honor the name of God? You don't want to misuse the name of God in your life? Reflect on the greatness of God. Spend more time reflecting on the names of God. Remember who he is. And remember who you are because of who he is. And then actually believe it. Trust it. We pray for a lot of things that I think deep down we don't trust. (laughs) That God will actually, that God will (laughs) provide, that God will meet, that God will do what he has said he will do. Right? So if you want to honor the name of God, reflect on God's greatness. Reflect and trust in his greatness. If you want to honor your parents, regardless of our background, regardless if they are honorable or not, that has nothing to do with it. Reflect on the greatness of God. <laughs> Reflect on the greatness of God, that God will use any mess that you've gone through in life for his glory. And then trust in the greatness of God. You see, God wants to work on all of our hearts. And when Jesus 
calls out these leaders here in Matthew chapter 15. He says, it's not these externals that are going to make you unclean. It's not the methods of ministry that are going to make you unclean. It's what's already here. And Jesus came to give us a new heart. Jesus came to set the captive free. Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. Jesus came to give us a new attitude towards God and the greatness of God, to give us a new attitude towards the family of origins that we come from, the larger family of God that we're a part of, because Jesus wants to do heart work in all of our lives. So I want to just leave you with a simple question, and you might want to talk about this in your life group this week. The question is simple. How's your heart? How's my heart? How's your heart? Are we just taking God for granted in our lives, in our ministry? Are we busy playing the victim everywhere that we go and hope that we get lots of likes on social media because people relate to us? How's our hearts? Because God wants to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine through his power in his church, which is you, for his glory and for our great joy when we trust in his greatness. Let's pray. Father God, I do praise you and thank you for the reminder in very familiar Bible passages of how great you truly are. God, sometimes your greatness is beyond my comprehension, and not even sometimes, pretty much every single day. When I reflect on your greatness, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I think the older I get, the more okay I am with that. So, Father, I pray that your greatness would be revealed more in my life. I pray that your greatness would be revealed more in our church's life. I pray that we be men, women, boys, and girls who do not misuse the name of God in our daily lives. I pray that we would be men, women, boys, and girls who can show honor. Show honor to the family that you placed us into. Show honor to the church family that you've placed us in. Because you want to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. We're going to collect our offering now as a part of our worship. If you're a guest, please don't feel obligated to give unless God puts it on your heart to do so. And just as a quick reminder, we do actually want to make it easier for people to give. We realize uh, checks and cash have gone the way of the dodo. And so there is a text number that you can text if you feel led to give that way as well. But as the team leads us in this song together, let's just reflect on the greatness of God and what he has done in your life and in mine. Amen. Amen. Two radically different commandments dealing with the exact same problem. My heart. Your heart. And praise be to God that God has brought a way to deal with our hearts. Not keeping a religious law and commandments, but sending Jesus to set us free from the slavery of our own hearts. If you're here today and you would like someone to pray for you, prayer room over there on the left side of the room, online, send us a direct message. We'll be praying for you this week. But I pray that you would trust in the greatness of the name of God in your life this week wherever he sends you. God bless you. We'll see you next week.